This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all... It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. Everybody's got to set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Oh, and saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. It's a 170. That was money. I think he's down right over there. 10 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Coming in your ear holes. And today we are talking with Cody Hoon um, from Public Land Whitetails. You guys know him. He's been on the show uh, multiple times now. I think this is his third episode, um, but actually fourth appearance on the show. Um, but Cody is on an absolute giant Public Land buck, which you can see on the cover art. And this is a buck that he located last year. Um, and that's what we talk about in this episode. We talk about how to get back on those target bucks that you had from last year how to find him in velvet, get some little bit more data, and uh, approach the season. Because um, that's what a lot of people are doing right now. They're trying to find that buck from last year. Um, we break down how he's able to do it. Um, he keeps a pretty simple method. Um, and then we also talk about if you can't find that buck, it's not the end of the world. It's still really early in the season. Um, don't give up on those spots. Don't give up on trying to find that buck because he could pop up at any time. 
But before we get into that, we got to get into the people that make this possible. And you know that it's Exodus Outdoor Gear. Um, if you guys are following my Patreon account, you know that I released my trail cam update. Um, and I got a little um, little prize giveaway going on right now of what camera is going to get the biggest buck. Put out a map and letting people pick and um, for the next month what's going to get the biggest velvet buck. And I got stuff that's on at field edges. I got stuff that's in waterways. I got stuff that's in the timber. And it's cool to see what different guys pick what. And I'm going to give a, a one of the mobile camera setups from Good Set Mobile. Um, and uh, if whoever picks the, the winning cam, if, if six people pick the winning cam, then I'm getting six setups to send to guys. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, but that is that is powered all through the Exodus trail cameras. Every single camera in that series is the rival. Um, I'm running seven or eight rivals this year. Absolutely blown away with them so far. Um, love the update frequency op- options that you have with the, the Exodus cell cameras. Um, I'm running a whole property of just cell cameras, so I have zero pressure on that property. I feel like it's going to be the best property for giant bucks throughout the season, so that's where I'm running 100% um, cells. I will throw some standard SD cards out there. Um, I did just put a Lift 2 out, which you guys can't get, unfortunately. But word on the street is they're coming up with a model later in the year that's kind of like the Lift 2 with video, the video quality that this thing puts off, guys. Um, the word on the street is they're coming out with another high video quality camera. And I got on a historical scrape um, on video mode. Cannot wait to pull that SD card, um, you know, there mid-October and get the intel on that thing because it's going to be some sweet video. Um, but that is my Exodus update for the week, guys. Um, cams are out. Getting some giant velvet bucks. If you want to get on the Patreon account and see how I'm setting these cameras up, how I am um, hanging the cameras, how I'm utilizing the solar panels, there is videos and posts up of all that. I'm also sharing some of my velvet bucks that I have on there. And I got that giveaway going on. So you can. there's a link to that in the bio if you guys are interested in joining the Patreon. Um, but without further ado, let's get into the show. All right, guys, we got the return guest on. Cody, how you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing great. It's always good to be on here with you, man. Yeah, I know. I appreciate you coming on. Um, thinking about who I was wanting to podcast with, and we had been messaging, and you're on an absolute giant. So I was like, man, why don't I see if he wants to talk about, you know, relocating those bucks that you had last year because i know that's a challenge for a lot of people including me you know you get on a buck you're thinking well this is going to be he's going to be here next year and he's not there Um, but before we get into the nitty-gritty go ahead and introduce yourself if people haven't heard you on the show before yeah so i'm cody hoon Um, my channel's public land whitetails you can find me pretty much anywhere on all social media and uh i've gone over this before but uh i pretty recently got into hunting public land i say recently but i've been doing it for about six seven years now this is going on seven years and uh, before that i just hunted uh michigan high pressure small private land that really kind of you know cut my teeth and really taught me how to hunt some of these i can't say older age class bucks but high pressure bucks and then i uh I just got sick and tired of of <laughs> shooting two three year old one twenties in Michigan. I decided I was going to move out west, and now I'm in Iowa and chasing actual booners on public land. That's my goal, and and uh, I uh, even pass them if I can't get it on film if it's too dark, and and that's cost me some bucks. But 
I really uh, want to show guys that you can do this on public land and bring a cinematic form to it and just I kind of bring it all together and, and really love to, to show guys and teach guys. And yeah. Yeah. Um, we've had, I've had you on the show multiple times. We've kind of struck up a pretty good friendship, um, watched all your content and you are on the giant bucks, man. There a lot of giant bucks on film, you know, encounters, um, and opportunities with you and putting other people on deer. Um, and I've met Gary through you. So that was pretty cool. Had him on the show, um, and, uh, struck up a friendship there. Uh, but yeah, let's get right into it, man. So, you know, you got that buck and everybody has that buck in mind, that buck from last year, maybe they hunted him and they messed up an opportunity or maybe they, you know, hunted him and never got, never even seen the deer, but they're looking for him this year. Um, where do you start to refine that buck? So me personally, and, uh, I, I haven't heard a lot of guys talk about this. You know, a lot of guys really run into basics with this, but this is something that I, I, pre- I get pretty analytical about. First off, I look at age class. I think that's a huge deal with, um, with, with refining a buck. Um, if you're looking at an older, more mature buck, then your odds of him relocating to a completely new area are significantly slimmer. And, and I'll even argue that from a summer to a fall pattern, not just a standard, you know, pattern where everybody knows that most bucks relocate and they do to a point, but you do get a lot of older bucks who have, they're just stuck in their ways. And, um, you know, I will argue this with some people. I have some absolute giants who truly, it seems like the really big bucks, they have a summer range, which is extremely close, if not right in their fall range. Uh, the only difference really is they're, there's just significantly more daylight and that's why you see them. And then you, you know, if you go out there in, in a state where you can shine, they're still in the same range. Um, they're just only daylighting in maybe a 20 or 40 acre patch. If, if that, which can seriously be 500, maybe a thousand yards from where you've been seeing them all summer in like a bean field. Um, and, uh, you know, getting into that, that's my take on some extremely old bucks. Now I'm not saying they don't completely relocate because you, a lot of them do, but, um, I think that middle age group, uh, that, that, that like four, four to five range, them are the bucks that, that they're big enough that everybody goes, wow, you know, and they focus on, and those are the bucks. I think they get pushed around a lot. They're, they're mature, but they're not fully mature. They're not really stuck in their ways and really found that hard, that core area they really like, and they're still willing to do some traveling. And, um, you know, those are the bucks that I've noticed will relocate, you know, a thousand plus yards. I, I really don't, I'm not saying it's impossible. If you get big wood type areas and uh, different terrains and obviously different states have different, different huntability, I guess. But I you know for the most part in a, a generalized sense, I really don't see bucks relocate more than a half mile from their, their summer range um, unless they're just really young and they're just completely pushed out and they're just, rutting really hard and they're rutting early and they're just i can't say rutting but they're really looking for that doe looking for that new area and those are your two and three year olds and that's why they're hard to you know pattern and they're also hard to to really keep alive because they're moving so much and they're trying to it's just like a teenager they're trying to find you know where they belong in life and what they're doing and they just don't know yet and so they're moving all over the place i have two and three year old bucks that i'm getting on 
on camera and contiguous public land, you know, two miles, two and a half miles from where I seen him in the summertime. But it seems like when I start getting to that age class, that I really like to hunt, which is four plus for me. They become a little bit more predictable. Really, it's just that four-year-old range. They'll still move, which is really nice in the rut. Um, but uh, they don't tend, to, in my opinion, relocate all, too awful far. And a, guy, a lot of guys are going to probably disagree with me on that. Well, I get nighttime pictures. Uh, he has to relocate far away. Well, not necessarily. I mean, even a four-year-old, if he's if he's corn in your neighbor's 20 or 40 acres daylight and you're getting you know pictures of him three, four hours after dark – you know, my philosophy is about an hour per hundred yards. It's kind of what they meander. And, and you, if you break that down, you're talking, you can get pictures of a buck at 11, 12 o'clock at night. He's what, five, 600 yards from you? And just because you're not seeing him in daylight doesn't mean he's not close. And that's why you get him coming, coming through in the rut. Now, again, there's always outliers and they can be a mile away. It just depends on, you know, that's, that's really going to come down to, you determining, you know, if you're getting him on camera every single night at midnight, that buck's pretty close. He's not yeah. a mile away. Yeah. Uh, but if you're if if you're getting that one photo at three in the morning and it's the middle of the rut, yeah, that's probably a, a mile or two away. Buck and hunting him is, yeah, good luck. <laughs> Unless you're on public and you can really look and it's fast, good luck. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that um, Ryan Glitzky come on here and tell, and we had a whole podcast about you know, is there value in nighttime trail cam picks? Because a lot of people stake their whole season on night nighttime trail cam picks. Um, and some people don't even, they just click right through them. Like, like, Oh, cool. Nighttime, you know? Um, but if you look at your trail cam data throughout the year, probably, you know, 70% of it for big deer is going to be nighttime or, you know, right before nighttime, you know, right on the edge there. Um, uh, and like you said, those deer just move more during that time. But uh, I agree with the age class thing. I've hunted bucks, um, two in particular, and uh, like you were saying, they're four-year-old deer, and I'd had them the year before, and they kind of vanished that year, you know. Never seen of them, no hide or hair. Um, and then in the rut, you get some glimmers of them, and then, you know, they're gone. So... Um, and then when they were both were four, this was, you know, different years, um, same, same kind of thing. They show up, velvet picks, giant velvet picks. I got a picture of one shed and antler, and he was probably 170 class deer, um, really, you know, shedding the velvet off his antlers. Really cool picture um, on just a, the greenest food plot ever, you know, picture frame worthy, um, and then gone. And a few pictures in October all at night, nothing in, even close. And both of those deer were killed on my neighbor's property. Um, they're sub 300 yards from me, from my property. So yeah. just goes to show you, even if you are getting that buck, like you said, um, that buck that's, you know, you only get him at night or you're getting him a couple hours past dark or midnight, whatever. If he's consistently there on and off, he's hitting a scrape or something, he's closer than you think. Um, but the one buck I never had a daylight picture of or an encounter wa uh, with, but man, I got 50 trail cam pictures of him, you know, at different times through 20, from when he's three to four. Um, so, and like you said, it was kind of a consistent thing, same spots, same scrapes just at night. And, uh, that's one of those deer you're like, man, he's 
traveling a long ways and coming up in here, but he's on the neighbors. And yep. the other deer was high 60s, low 70 class deer, same kind of thing. I thought the deer was gone. No trail cam pictures of him at all. Neighbors shot him end of October. You know, so those deer are closer than you think a lot of times. And um, like you said, I feel like, I feel like even myself, you know, I bank a lot more on trail cameras than I should because they don't show you a, a quarter of what's actually going on out there in the woods. Yeah, I mean, I think they show quite a bit. I I really believe it comes down to where you place them. I, I place my cameras so specifically and for exact reasons. I, I I honestly believe cameras are just utilized incorrectly amongst almost the entire industry. I I really do. People aren't looking at the photos correctly and establishing where and why the bucks are doing what they're doing they're just they're putting their cameras out oh yeah i got a buck at nighttime on this field edge and and you know we kind of talked about this in in the trail camera episode about relocating these bucks and where they're coming from and how to backtrack them and that's really what the cameras should be used for cameras are invaluable Uh, they really are anybody who's not using them uh, sorry but you're you're just missing out on a free resource and it's just a matter of you know they're not confusing like they they seem they're not random like they seem there's a pattern to them there's a pattern to everything you know there's a reason why bucks lay a certain better certain way with the wind there's a reason why you know you get up and, and go down to get gas to at, at the local casey's man i mean every there's a pattern to everything and it's just most people in the industry don't utilize the cameras correctly in my opinion they're us, using them just to get pictures and that's cool you know using them over bait using them over a food plot that's awesome but you you really especially if you're like a hardcore public land hunter and you have that room to kind of spread out you really need to look at those those pictures and start to discern you know like like we talked about before backtracking these bucks and you know there's too much i mean we did a whole episode on that so i'm not even going to get into that i'll just refer people back to that episode that we did on trail cameras um you really need to to look at uh, the, the photos and discern where and why that buck's coming from where he is. And that that's going to get you, you know, just crazy information on, on that buck. And, and even if he's, even if you're on small tracks of private, at least you'll know to the direction and what neighbor neighbors he's on. And, you know, nine out of 10 times, I bet you, you'll look and go, you know, oh, there's like five acres behind, you know, grandma's house that nobody's has hunted in 10 years down the road that's 300 yards away it's like yeah there might be high pressure all around but i bet you that's where that buck's daylighting all the time he's in there for a reason and uh with public you know like i said you backtrack them and and, uh that's i I think cameras i couldn't go a season without them (laughs) i could but i don't i definitely don't want to they i use them and they just give me so much intel and it really helps me relocate a lot of these um these bucks uh, i do a lot of velvet filming this year especially and i've been getting just some absolute studs on camera refining a lot of big bucks i have a lot of episodes coming out about that and uh you know that's kind of how i stumbled upon a buck that I really really wasn't on my radar he was a three-year-old last year maybe low 40s with some junk uh you know an interesting buck but where he was at and kind of that area and my knowledge of that and, and that age class in there, I was like, okay, whatever, nothing I really care about. I just happened to go in and put a cell cam in that area, trying to 
kind of just take inventory and see what's going on. And, and I had happened to seen a, a decent buck was what it was. I seen a decent buck nearby in the neighbor's property. And I was like, well, he might go over there. We'll see. And uh, that's lo and behold, <laughs> uh, probably one of the biggest deer I've ever, if not the biggest deer I've ever had the fortune of chasing uh, as a, he's a four-year-old and uh, I don't even want to judge how big he is because you know, that you get a bunch of crap if you're wrong about that, but he's massive. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> and, huge. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he, I mean, he's 18 scoreable points. He, he has a, a G3 behind his other G3, the G4 behind his other G4 plus a G5 and, and split brow and that inside point on the right beam. Yeah. Just, just a massive buck. Yeah. And, it's got uh, everything going for him. Um, yeah. I know we're, I know we're utilizing, you're definitely utilizing trail cameras to, uh, to, to track these deer um before we move on to pass the trail camera i know we love talking about it but that's man there's such a good asset um i hung a cam with my boy yesterday and i've been kind of letting him go with me because he's hunting this year and kind of make some moves himself and then me kind of tweak him tweak the moves after he you know suggests where to go um and then say well what about this and just kind of put some ideas in his head and we hung one over a, a, a it's a, like a just a you know a scrape every single year there you know mm-hmm. giant scrape every single year um and uh I haven't run a cam on it just because it's in a spot that can't hunt um and when we were in there he he was like where would you hunt here and just like you're saying I'm not utilizing that camera right there for to where I'm going to hunt I'm trying to see what direction the deer are going in there. It's on video mode. Um, and I said, we're going to be hunting on either side of this. He's like, well, it's too thick here to hunt. I'm like, yeah, you can't shoot at all in here, but you can north of here and you can south of here. You know, so you get a buck going in there out of the south, you know you need to move a cam that way or you need to hunt that direction. And like you're saying, there is some there is some confusion there where a, a guy gets a buck. Well, he's not daylight yet. He's not daylight yet. That doesn't mean you can't go hunt him, especially if he's close. Just go the direction that he is and, and throw a sit at him. Um, yeah, no, that's a, that's a thousand percent exactly what I do. I rarely hunt over my cameras. If I do, it's because it's like a specific bedding or like a thermal hub or something real tight. And, uh, but otherwise my cameras are pretty much in general locations and, I just backtrack the bucks, just yeah. like you were saying. Yeah, just, just move in that direction and I start throwing hunts. And then once I said that, he's like, oh, "Okay, yeah, that makes sense." But you're not going to be able to hunt everywhere you hang a camera. And I, like I said, I feel like a lot of people feel if they hang a camera, this has got to be a spot that I hunt. When in actuality, hanging a camera to get the intel and you not being able to hunt there is good because you know you're not going to pressure those deer at all, but you're still going to yep. be able to hit them and then exactly. make a move on them on the other side too. I go in there yep. and I pull that, you know, I pull that cam and on video mode and mid October and there's a buck in there firing this scrape up, you know, an hour after, you know, before daylight. And I know the direction, you know, the bedding areas, you're like, okay, he's in there, you know, and then, you know, by that picture, the direction of travel is huge. That's why video mode in that scenario is, is killer. Yeah. Um, especially if you have a camera that takes really good video, I, I, it's, it's super valuable to to know what the bucks are like. But let's go on to the next step. So you got age, the age class of the deer, um, and you also have you know you're utilizing trail cameras for sure. But what what else are you doing to locate these bucks? Right now, it's a lot of velvet filming, a lot of driving the roads, um, 
you know, I have some cameras back in the timber. Uh, again, I will argue till I'm blue in the face that I think a little bit in August and occasionally in August, I should say, I think you can go hang a camera in a bedding area and it'll be weird. You'll get nothing but does, does, does. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And then you'll just get one picture of one buck in there. And you're like, that's so, like at three in the morning, you're like, that's so weird. Why is he back here? And usually it's an older age class buck. And really what it is, is that buck is... Uh, he's coming back to where he's going to go for his fall range and he's checking out to make sure, you know, did a house get built here? <laughs> Is there a clear yeah. cut in here now? And he'll do that a couple times. I would say in August is predominantly when you'll get that. And so I have a lot of cameras just in bedding right now. And, you know, field edge cameras are real cool. And don't get me wrong, I have a couple of them. I like pictures of big bucks too, but most of my cameras are stuck back in bedding areas and they have been and you know yeah i'm not gonna get crap for photos but when i get that one photo of that buck in there i'm like you know i'll be going through okay a little buck little buck and also boom there's a giant well well now we know he's probably coming back here here's his fall range and and i kind of tie that in with my velvet film and if i'm i got these cameras back in areas which i'm going to check them at the beginning of september and if I'm velvet filming all the bean fields and the, you know, if there, I guess if there's a cornfield in the area, I'll try to film the edges of those or alfalfa, whatever, um, whatever I can get my hands on as close as I can to the areas I, I plan or predict big bucks to be in the bedding areas. Uh, you know, I'll get in there and I'll film them, and and most likely you'll see those big bucks eventually out there in that field. And if not, if but if you're sure of the area, then then run a camera on the field edge, and you'll probably get that buck on that field edge, and then. You know, maybe you got two or three bedding areas nearby, you know, throw a cam back up in there in one of those bedding areas on the main runs and check them. Like I said, check them in September. And out of those three bedding areas, you know, you'll get like one or two photos of them in one specific bedding area. Now you have a really good idea of where his fall range is going to be and where he's at currently on, you know, because right now it's hot. There's a lot of flies and there's ticks. They want to be close to those fields. They want to get that breeze moving through. They want to be near water. And uh, it's rare that they're going to continuously bed where they are now into season. And if, and uh, I can't say that because they, they do that in September and some seasons open in September, but I'm talking about an October opener. Most of the time by October rolling around, those bucks have pushed to their, their fall range, which is, pretty thick cover and and that's where you're you know the majority of people are going to be hunting them and uh that's that's pretty much how i i locate them there um you know i kind of do go off of 
there's some bucks that I have found in season that I have then scoured the area for. And, and sometimes there's just not a lot of food. And when you get areas that there aren't a lot of food, some of those bucks will travel. And so I'll hit all the crop fields where I can. I'm, I'm even willing to go a mile, mile and a half onto away from public onto private fields. And, you know, obviously from like road scouting, road scouting is huge for me. Um, and I'll look at a lot of those bucks and document them that way because sometimes they will show up over there and I have relocated bucks doing that. Um, there's a particular field that actually it's, it's almost a mile from the public from where these bucks relocate for season two. Um, it's a little closer to the actual public. It's probably like a 10th of a mile from where public is, but with most of these bucks from this field that I've velvet filmed, um, you know, I, I know them and they're, they're off on the public in the fall and they're pretty deep in there. And yet they're particularly using this one field. It's beans this year. And I've, I've been able to film quite a few bucks that I know on it. And, uh, potentially I was not, didn't have a camera with me. I was just driving by. I'm like, I'm going to swing by and check it. There was one night that I may or may not have actually, uh, seen, uh, the Caesar buck from last year, not a hundred percent certain. I just had binos. He was like 300 yards and I'm like, man, that could be him. But there's some bucks in the area that I know were young that could have been up and comers. And so unfortunately I haven't been able to pick him back up and really velvet him, him, but got a couple of the great bucks that I have some history with. And, and yeah, and just, that's pretty much what I do is I get my cameras out. I do a lot of velvet filming and uh, kind of connect the dots of, of the in between. So I'm going to touch base on a couple of things that you said. Um, first, I get, I get a lot of messages with people about trail cams and, you know, they're hanging them here and they're not getting a lot. And I love love it all. Um, but a lot of people message me this time of year, oh, no bucks yet, man, no bucks. And um, like you said, then they get a picture of just like a buck one time or something. And they're like, oh, I got this, but it's, you know, it's only one night. And um, I got a spot in particular that it's it's a scrape and – in September, I run a camera in there, July, August, and there is, like, no deer. There's not no deer on that camera. Like, very, very few. Like, maybe a doe and a fawn will kick through there. Um, but September hits, the, you know, the farmers start getting out in the fields and stuff, start getting some of this corn out, start getting some of these beans out. That place will have six, seven different bucks in there, you know, yep. hitting that scrape. That haven't been there at all, all year. Um, and just all of a sudden, boom, they're in there. Um, and you go in there and it's just tore up with sign, like yeah. old sign, you know, if you went in there. Um, but I was able to run a camera there last year, but I wasn't able to hunt it. I'm able to hunt it this year. Um, but like you said, just if, you, if you're a guy listening and you just have does right now, don't get discouraged yet. Like, especially if you have history of like these bucks, don't, don't get discouraged and call it a wash and pull your cams and just you know hang out you know this is yep. this time of year it's either feast or famine you either have the bucks or you don't like this well, you, you know you need to have faith that your postseason scouting is yeah. what it is yeah. if you've postseason scouted and you you know that here's where the sign was here's where the mature bucks were that i've at least seen in season last year or had pictures of that's that's where they're gonna probably go back to you know again it depends on age class so, you know if you're looking at like a if you're looking at like that six plus range, if you're in one of the states where you can really get that, and even even a five year old, 
the Bucks probably going to go back to the same thing that he's done. He's done the same thing that's kept him alive numerous years. He's going to go back in there and he's going to play that same betting area or pretty close. If you're looking at a younger age range, you know, that three to four, you know, they'll, they're willing to move a little bit. So if you're saying, if you're looking at a three-year-old one year and he's a hit lister to you, and now he's a four-year-old, he might do a little bit more move. And if you had a bunch of pictures of him as a three-year-old in one particular spot, and, 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 you know, he's moving to four. Well, maybe look at what I would suggest is look at that area. And if you're like, yeah, you know, I got pictures of him here in season. It's not the best area. It doesn't set up really great for betting, maybe a hundred yards or 200 yards away. There's a bit, bit more cover, a bit better betting, or just a spot. You're like, how would I get in there and hunt him? Um, because he has the wind advantage and, and maybe there's an overlook and I can't come from the bottom and just how would I do that? Start focusing on that. If it's close by, start looking at that because he's going to be a little bit smarter and he's going to start he's going to start transferring where he's betting and and this this giant that I'm on now is a perfect example as a three year old. I'm surprised he made it honestly, especially for being a really a reasonably decent buck. Like I said, probably in the 40s and had some junk. Um, I know some out of staters would have loved to tag him, and he was right up by the road. He was right next to a parking lot, a very highly hunted area, not an overlooked parking lot. I'm talking stands everywhere. There's only a couple ridges. There's a lack of cover, but there's good food and water there. And so a lot of these younger bucks just tear the area up. And, and I know a lot of people go in there and, and take like the one thirties classes out of, out of that area pretty consistently. And that's, that's pretty much where he was at. And I kind of wrote him off as dead and, I was pleasantly surprised when I found him back, but even though I kind of found him to the south of where he predominantly was at last year and these all uh, these younger bucks were and I just know I can already tell he's he's four years four year old this year and I can tell from filming him that, you know, he's he's not quite all there yet. There's some other mature bucks in the area that aren't as big as him that are much much harder to see that they're, they're not even daylighting very often in the summer and you can tell those are those bucks know what's up they're a little bit harder to hunt this guy you know he still has a, a, a few bolts that he needs to tighten up and uh you know i'm happy because it's going to make them a little bit easier to hunt i'm sure not going to pass them yeah. <laughs> with how big he is but at the same time he's definitely smarter now he's gone through a season where he started to learn some lessons and i guarantee especially and i can already tell i can already tell because he's he shifted where he's coming out he's using one of the same fields he was in last year on the south end of his range and now he's using it predominantly and the reason why is because there's a, an incredible betting area for the mature bucks um uh, you know, just just I don't want to give too many terrain features away, but uh, there's an incredible betting area. We're sitting really close to to the back end of that field now, and that's predominantly where I've had some some actual booners in in the past, and they've been more on the south range of that. But I can already tell that he's he's shifted, and, and a lot of guys would go in and start hunting him, and and I have pictures of him in his old range, but only a couple. And you you'd be like, man, you know, this buck is slipping away. What's going on? what's happening but then you know just less than a half a mile away to the south is pretty much his new range and his north end of the range is overlapping his southern end of the range it's just because he's become older and he's looking for a better area of protection and he's going from you know where he's pushed and forced into very crap betting as a three-year-old to he's 
got a little more age on him. He's probably willing to show a little more dominance, and especially with the rack he's supporting, he's he's uh, you know just able to to push into that that better better betting area, and uh, that's just shifted his range slightly. And that's something you got to look for on, on the public land. Again, you got to think of the age class of the buck. If you were talking a four year old, well. I would consider him probably using that same if, – if I – you know, him, like I said, I don't get him this year, him moving into a five-year-old. I would say he's probably going to use the same range, but he's going to tighten up even more. So he's still going to hit those fields, but it's going to be even darker, and he's going to use that same bedding area, but his core within that bedding area, because it's a big bedding area, is going to be even smaller. And instead of being able to hunt the edges of that bedding area and, and potentially even hunting closer to that field, like I kind of plan to do in early October, um, you'd have to get much closer to him. You know, you'd have to start bed hunting him because he's going to be tucked up in there a lot more. And, and guys losing those photos, especially losing those photos, if he made it to that age class of five on that, the edge of that field, that's when they start getting like a three, you know, I can't say three, probably like a midnight or 1am photo of him. And you're like, Oh, he's a mile away. No, he's six, seven, 800 yards away. He's just tucked into that bedding area and he's, he's just browsing. He's for most of the day in there. And that's, you know, browsing, maybe finding acorns, whatnot, uh, locust pods. And, and he's just tucked up in there until he really feels safe to come down and out, hit his scrapes and then move out to that. Yeah. One, uh, second thing I wanted to hit was, um, you know, on these, these giants bucks on these bean fields or alfalfa fields, what I'm noticing, like you said, if, if the deer, you know, a lot of them will wait till right at dark if they're big, you know, right before dark to come out. There'll be a bunch of deer in the field and then the big boy come out. Um, what I'm noticing this year that I haven't noticed in the past a lot is those deer, the those properties that have like that 10 yard buffer around the field of grass um, that, you know, the farmer don't, he don't want trees and stuff to fall in or have to, you know, work with a combine with trees. So they leave that buffer. Um, I've been noticing bucks bedded right on that grass line and bean line. Um, and a lot of them, like if they have like, uh, like the mounds for, you know, for erosion, like a mound farm, you know, they're bedded like right on the edge of that tall grass on that mound, right on the edge of the field. Um, and all the deer out in the field and they're just chilling right there waiting. Um, they're out there kind of with the deer eating right on the edge of the field. But if you drove past that field, you would miss that deer completely. Yeah, um, I, I have some video of uh, probably like a fully mature buck, but probably high 40s, low 50s. Um, I drove up to this bean field. And it's getting, you know, it's getting dark and there's all these bucks out there and all sub 130s or some does and they're scattered throughout this field. So I'm pretty close to the road and I'm kind of looking and scanning and next thing you know, I just kind of see a little bit of movement probably a hundred yards behind the rest of this bachelor group, which I was surprised to not see anything big in. And, you know, just under, just on this tree that kind of overhangs into the field, there's an oak tree kind of overhangs into the field about 20 yards and it kind of juts out and then you can see where they had the tractor had to go around it. And just underneath of that in the beans, you can see from the neck up, here's that 150. he's laying down and, and he's just eating. But yep. he's tucked back up away. He's not with the rest of the group. He's still right on the edge of cover. There's a ditch behind him that he can run off into. And that's in the summer. I mean, yeah, that's what, that, yeah, that's what I'm seeing too. Those bigger age or class deer, bigger rack deer are they're out in the field feeding. But um, I feel like a lot of people aren't relocating their bucks and missing these deer because you know you cruise past the field. You don't want to spook the deer and slow down. Um, but he's out there. But you can't 
see that deer without stopping and scanning for 25 minutes. And then you're like, Oh shit. Okay. There he is. You know, and yep. I did that with the seven by seven that I located, um, uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, we seen an absolute mega giant leaving, um, leaving some, I'm not going to give away a whole bunch like you, but leaving some area <laughs> with my kids. Um, and we're always looking for deer out of the car, you know, and, and I just see the back frame of a, a gigantic buck. So I'm trying to go out there and and refine this deer, um, and you know you got you got the deer the areas where you know there's going to be deer out in the field. They're there every single year. Great place you know to go and, and see what you got. Are you going to be able to hunt the bucks? You never know, you know. But I seen where this deer come out of the timber, and that would be his best food source, you know, um, other than you know acorns or browse or whatever that's out there this time of year. It's going to be this alfalfa field, and. Um, you know, scan the field, whole bunch of deer, probably like 10 bucks out there, nothing over 110 inches. Um, you know, some bigger deer kind of off to the back um, that I couldn't really get a good look at. But then right on this edge of this mound, there's a, you know, a really, really solid 7x7 seven seven bedded. Um, in the shade side, you know, you know, sun at its back, out there, can see the whole field, nothing sneaking up on him, just chilling. And if I wouldn't have literally parked and – you know, I went out there before the deer got out there and staged up. Um, there's some other parked cars in this area, so I just parked with those cars, you know, figuring that they'd be used to them. And uh, that deer did not, never got up the whole entire, not all the way till dark, just sat there, laid down the whole entire time. Because I was waiting, yep. you know, to see if anything else come out. And I was like, man, that deer still hasn't got up. But he had no reason to because he could reach the beans where he was at. And he was in that shade cover. And, you know, the other deer just out there just milling around pretty much, you know, and he's just like, why would I do that? I can eat an endless supply of beans literally by laying here. Um, yeah. So that's something that people should look out for is those deer, they're there, um, but they're just not standing up and moving around in those fields like those other deer. Because you drive past a field and you're like, shit, you know, there's a buck from last year, there's a buck from this year, but, but where's my where's the giant at? He yeah. could be in that bachelor group. He could just be older now and decide, even though it's summer, I'm still not going out in the middle of this damn field. And uh, Well, it, it's not even only that. It's also that they're just getting older. They know how to conserve energy. And if I don't have to go out there and stand, I don't have to go out there and stand. It's just like you. You come home. You don't want to stand. You want to go sit down. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> You know, you want to sit down and eat your food, watch your shows. And, uh, you know, I've seen some of those bucks come actually out of the tree line, grab a couple bites to eat and then go back into the tree line five, 10 yards and lay down and finish chewing and then get back up and do it again. And, and they'll, they'll do that, uh, for most of the night. But, um, I also think we need to elaborate on this. This is, I would argue this is probably, uh, more geared towards high pressure and public land bucks. I mean, you get, you get manicured farms or bigger farms oh, yeah. or low pressure areas and those, yeah. those bigger bucks are just going to go out and feed. Those yeah. Those just big, yeah. I mean, they don't care. you get those, you know, you get those farms that aren't hunted a lot and just kind of mm. monitored. And, and, uh, I feel like that's like a lot of what hunting is, you know, it, if you, the perfect scenario for a guy, if you had the money would buy five or six properties in a really good area, monitor all five or six properties. Don't hunt any of them. When you get a giant hunt that one property, and let all the other ones be alone. And then every five years, you would have a five-year-old buck to hunt that has never been hunted on that property before. 
Yeah. And that's what a lot of people are doing. Um, yep. You know, you, you see these videos of these bucks out in the middle of the food plot hitting a scrape, you know, in the middle of the daylight. You're like, what the hell is going on? I've never seen that my whole entire life. But you got to think this deer has never been hunted. He's been monitored for the last five years. And then every five years, you got a completely fresh property that hasn't been hunted for five years. And no one's been on it. You know, and if a guy could do that, especially if a guy could own like 580s or 500s, you know, in, in the area where you know there's good bucks, every single year you could be on a fresh farm that hasn't been hunted for five years. Um, and like you yep. said, that's what we're talking about, the higher pressure area where these bucks are getting hunted, you know, um, and – what I'm what I'm noticing too is like, dude, have you noticed just insane doe numbers this year? Yes, dude. I don't know if people aren't killing does or what's going on, but me glassing, like I bet you it's ten to one for bucks. It, it's insane. Like there's just so many does, even the, for small the, bucks. It's like ten to one for bucks. Yeah, the, the field that I I just filmed that giant in. I actually, it took me a couple of days to end up getting in there because he was coming out really early and, and so were the, the, the smaller bucks and the does. And so I'd kind of get done with work in, in the gym for the day and I'd try to run out there and I tried to do that two or three times. And by the time I'd get there, and it's still like an hour and a half before dark, man, there'd be, the field was already packed with deer and, and trying to work my way in. There's like five or six does in the front field and I get to the back field and I'm trying to finagle my my way in between like 50 yards either side. Here's like a group of three does on my left and a group of four does on my right. And then now here's a little buck. And I ended up finally having to go out there like two and a half hours early. And I still had the hands and knees crawl through the bean field. I really hope people appreciate the footage when, <laughs> when I dropped it because I had to like crawl through this muddy, nasty, because it just rained, this muddy, nasty bean field with all this gear on my back and, and go all the way through these fields and then crawl into the, a literal ditch and go through these like nasty pickers and briars. And then finally, finally I was able to pop up and be like 80 yards from this buck and, and get some just phenomenal footage of them. And, uh, I try, like I said, I've been trying to do that and he's out there. I think there was a, the, the night that I filmed him, there was an okay buck out there the night before that. Um, I got a little bit of footage of him. There was a pretty solid buck out there. And then the two nights that I tried to sneak in there before then, there was some some small buck. I mean, just real small, like baskets, if that, with them. And uh, otherwise, it was like having to, to go through a doe army of like 15, yeah. 20 does. But I, there's this one. This was the craziest thing, you know, off topic. But I kid you not, I kind of sneak into uh, get to the first field. I'm like, okay, I got this. And I come up to the edge of there's like a, a timber break, right? And like a like a tree line break, and and I'm like 200 yards, 250 yards from from where the deer are out in the, out in this other field, and he's you know out there like 250, and I kind of get a little bit of footage of him way out there, and there's just doe at 180, 200 yards, easy, and I'm in the tree line behind some trees. It's not like I'm skylined or anything. I'm like on my hands and knees, and I'm just kind of like fiddling with my camera and looking in the binos, thinking about how I'm going to try to work my way up to him. Man, this doe has the best eyesight I've ever seen. She's 180, 200 yards away. And I kind of, just like I said, fiddle with my camera and kind of pan the field. And I look, and she's freaking looking at me at that distance. And I'm barely visible behind this tree. And she ends up blowing, hmm. taking off, and 
blew the whole field with her. And I got that on film. You can see the buck, you know, my hopes and dreams of the buck running away. <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, just just ridiculous with does. Everybody hates does. We all know that old doe that blows at anything and everything. Oh, yeah. But I was I, like, wait till just, season. Yeah. It's just like uh, an insane amount of does. And, and maybe it's just this area, but there's just there's a there's an area around me that is there's a lot of pressure in certain spots but then there's a lot of spots where you can't hunt at all um mm-hmm. so the doe numbers are just out of whack anyways but man it just blew, blows me away you go see like no shit like 40 does in a field no bucks yeah and you're like what there's got to be one you're glassing every single head out there no bucks you know you're like yeah. that is insane that but it just goes to show you i mean if there's that many deer the the area can sustain a lot of a lot of deer but man it makes it hard to hunt bucks in the rut when you got that many does out there you know so yeah i, I get that i still mark those areas i again controversial <laughs> but uh i actually enjoy areas with high doe, doe densities um for the way i like to hunt um if i can't get it done early uh those are i kind of have my my little niche of my time, which is that second, third, I gotta say it's more towards like the third week of November. Um, man, that's high, high doe densities falls right into my tactic. And it's something that I've heard of guys doing a little bit. They kind of play with it, but, uh, it works phenomenal for me. And I think my channel shows that during that time frame, I get some of the best footage of just numerous bucks. And, uh, it's, it's just something that it's, it's, a, it's just too much to talk about right now. Uh, we'd, we'd be here for a whole nother episode, but, um, <laughs> it's, it's really a tactic that I, I love it. And so I'll, I'll hunt all the normal spots and in, in the normal areas. And then you hit that third week in November. And I actually look for those high density doe areas. And, uh, there's, like I said, there's more to elaborate on that. And, uh, maybe we can go over it some other time, but all right. yeah, that sounds good, man. Well, I think we'll wrap it up here. Um, you know, like just to recap, you know, if you're on your target buck, you know, you found him from last year, props to you. If you're not yet, you know, don't fret yet. There's still a lot of time before season. Um, and, and like you said, that deer could pop up literally at any time. Um, and the big shift's coming um, where you're you're going to lose a lot of bucks, you're going to gain a lot of bucks. So got to keep that in mind as well. Um, you know, when those, those – well, they start – tinkling horns and the velvet comes off um stuff gets real and you really get an idea of what what you can and will have to hunt um but i really appreciate you coming on and and uh hopefully you gave some insight for someone to go out there and, and spot their target buck for the year all right I th- thanks for having me man and and uh hopefully everybody has a great season gets out there and and you know gets to at least see their their buck early on and and i i know i'm excited for season coming up i think just uh just yesterday we had that northwest wind with a little bit of that cool breeze yeah, coming and yeah. i was like oh here we go yeah, it was, <laughs> it's been nice the last couple of days and it gets you thinking like ooh, you know where would i set up you know where would i set yep. up for this wind and what, what what's it doing out there so but uh all right man well, i appreciate you coming on um just for all the listeners appreciate you guys tuning in um every episode you guys are, are rocking the numbers can't thank you guys enough um, gonna keep the the outro short and sweet. Um, we're gonna rip another podcast here with uh, with Cody for the next seven day series. That's coming. Um, if you guys, I hadn't told you guys yet. I'm not sure, but anyways, always try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy, and White Tail Legacy is out. <laughs>